Time travel. Time loops. Sex bots. Ontologically valid non-existent dogs. Amateur garage experiments. Daddy issues. Contradictory scientific descriptors. Luke Skywalker's son. Self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Multiversal voyeurism. Jacking off to AIs. Gross. All this and more on this week's episode of My Arms Are Lasers, where we discuss how to live safely in a science fictional universe. Beep, bop, boop, boop, beep, beep, beep. All right. My arms are lasers. My arms are lasers. The books. Let's read books. (laughs) Hey, science fiction fans. Welcome to My my Arms Are Lasers. Hi. Science fiction podcast where we science fiction pretty hard. And introduce ourselves all at once. Uh Uh-huh. I'm Nick Allen. Three. Hey. Hey, Hey, I'm Nick Allen. Okay. I, I still right, we got that I wanted, out of the way. Yeah, we're gonna I make... wanted people to hear my name. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us, our special friend this episode. Hey, this myself, yeah. Joey Reinish. Myself. <laughs> hey, guys. And this is myself, Aaron Walke. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Nick Allen for the third time this podcast. I'm Ellen Tremedy. You can find me at ET Phone H. Oh, are we plugging already? I'm I am. Twitter, in. whatever. Before we get into this, a couple corrections on the last episode. I discovered uh, that we actually, I confused the person that wrote in with the question about the Rebel Commandos or Republican, Republic Commandos for the Star Wars question. Yeah. I want to see was Republican not, Commandos. What's <laughs> Republican Commandos? Republican. They already have all the guns. Michelle Buckman. <laughs> but those were two different people, not the same person. So there's Alex and then this uh, Twitter El Rebelled. El Rebelled. So we actually had two different people. Yeah, so that means we actually have at least two fans. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Another Sorry for conflating you two into one (laughs) super fan. (laughs) Sorry. They both have the heart of a super fan. But (laughs) also, Aaron got results back from his genetics. I did. I did. Uh, As you may recall in the last episode, we read Next, which which is all about genetic testing and the futures of genetic manipulation, blah, 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 and the dangers of corporations owning your genetic material. So naturally... Cut in some of uh, Aaron's sound effects from doing this experiment. Oh, God. What? Where did it go? (laughs) <laughs> from last time, so, <laughs> those horrible cut, spitting uh, noises. Cut gross. to so, <laughs> so naturally, I thought it'd be a great idea to give my genetic information to the biggest evilest corporation I could find, Google. But their thing says, "Don't be evil." Yeah. Okay. How long does that work? Next <laughs> CEO. Uh, let's get rid of the evil. Don't be evil part. Just <laughs> yeah, I have. I have evil. like seven Gmail accounts. Yeah. All of them containing your porn passwords. No, that's two of the seven. That's, that's <laughs> Joey porn passwords at Gmail. <laughs> but anywho, so I I sent them off. Weeks pass. And a couple of funny things happened. A clone shows up, for one. <laughs> for one. <laughs> that was the weirdest I, part. Yeah. I have a clone. Stuffed Hello, inside an envelope. It's I, me, Aaron. I, I the clone, showed I'm, up at Aaron's house and killed him. I am not a clone. He shows up with a, a suitcase and says, Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> so... First and foremost, I get the... the You're get, human, right? Yeah, I am. Well, well. actually... <laughs> Wait, what? I, so, you get... To be continued. First, <laughs> so, actually, the first uh, data I get back is 
Neanderthal DNA testing. So, as you may or may not know, a ne- certain percentage of, of Neanderthal. It depends on ne- where Neanderthal. Neanderthal. I'm Neander short. <laughs> Uh, so as you may or may not know a certain percentage of the human population in the world has neanderthal dna because their ancestors interbred with them before they went extinct Ew. yeah gross Hot. so uh, the average is uh, between one and four percent usually most people fall around like 2.3 2.4 percent neanderthal dna right I get my results back, and it immediately says, like, it's blinking and says, you have an abnormally large amount of Neanderthal <laughs> DNA. And, then, and it turns out I have 3.4%, whereas the highest recorded ever is 4%. Whoa. Your ancestors got freaky deaky. I'm in the 98th percentile. They kept it in the bloodline, man. Yeah. So that's one thing that, the first weird thing that kind Aaron's of popped partially out. I'm mostly caveman. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, that's that's kind of misleading because a lot of people think are oh, like, oh, Neanderthals were dumb, and the, but they're actually like physically superior. They were actually smarter. I know they, they, didn't, didn't I've they have seen really the big brains. Did they had bigger brains? <laughs> when I told my dad that, because I got my dad one of these genetic DNA testing kits as well. When I told my dad that on the phone, he uh, so I, my adopted? dad. Well, my dad is like the most oh, right. scientifically minded guy in the world, right? <laughs> but when I talk to him about it, he literally said. Uh, oh, you know, I think I read a study where they were, you know, they didn't have developed vocal cords, but they were more emotive, right? And they were sort of like empathic. So it's possible that maybe you kind of had some of those psychic powers. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, back up, <laughs> Dad. Did you just suggest that I inherited psychic powers from cavemen, from cavemen. who were more psychic? Wait. <laughs> next, next week on Paranoia. <laughs> Aaron's a psychic oh. now. So that's the first funny this thing. This is to your them. superhero origin. <laughs> Wait, wow. Aaron, you have to also talk about your like family there's, crisis. Yeah, there's two more crises okay. of identity okay. that come okay. up in here. <laughs> Great. This, the second one that happens is it takes about a week for all the DNA to process, and I get this DNA flag that pops up after the Neanderthal one that says, "Oh." You are two percent Ashkenazi, and I go Ashkenazi. I Google it. Ashkenazi Jew, and I was like, "Wait, I'm Jewish? Oh my God, I'm Jewish!" <laughs> <laughs> Immediately start talking like it. Yeah. Who has the right as Messero? Did, did your when you told your father? Did he say, "Well, that's probably where you get your Jewish powers from"? <laughs> God, I wish your Jew magic. But I actually started. I actually started like developing this whole backstory for like my great great grandfather, yeah. who was like this a, Jewish psychic superpower. And is as yeah the power of the Jew, right? Because you're European, so you're like, oh my god, yeah, I must have an ancestor. And then, and then I was like, oh my god, you know, I what was my great grandfather like? He married a goyim, and they married for love. A golem. A golem. He <laughs> he summoned a rabbinic a rabbic a rabbinical golem as the <laughs> as the Jews can do. <laughs> And, as we have all seen all right, yes. so that's correct no but and, but and then, then and then uh two days later it finished it's like your your dna is complete and then it went down to zero zero percent jews no, no jews. jews oh so it's like an uh, yeah, kind of like changing computing. it was yeah, like, it's like computing so far we've discovered yeah, this. weird it was yeah. wrong it was wrong but, but i wonder what it discovered that negated that i don't know <laughs> but uh is it still going will you get another no, one no it's done <laughs> And then, okay, so how much, you know how you can you can uh, assess percentages of like, okay, you're 15% Sub-Saharan African and 4, 4% Arab, 1% Native American, 3% Japanese. What percentage would you say I am of any of those? 
Joey, because I told you, I told you two already <laughs> of of any of them in particular of European, African, Arab. I would Native say you're American. mostly African. Okay, so <laughs> if you had to give if you had to give a, a ballpark, okay, percentage wise, yes, uh, African, I would say probably like five percent, and uh-huh. then what? Give me some other ones. European, European, I would say like forty five percent. Arab, ninety percent. <laughs> Uh, okay, How many so, percents am I? So here's here's the answer: ninety nine point nine percent European. Wow. wow. <laughs> and the point one percent is unspecified. <laughs> Some garbage species <laughs> or version of people. Neanderthal. Neanderthal. That's where the. But that's like your dad should have been European. It seems. Yeah. Like, so you're more Neanderthal than you are anything else but European. Yeah, I'm more Neanderthal <laughs> than I am Jew. So were you like a Neanderthal king? I may have been like descendant from like they kept it in the bloodline with psychic yes. powers. With psychic powers, but they took away your your Jew blood at some point. Yeah, that's bad to say Jew like that, isn't it? J- Jewish, Judaism. Say the whole word. Take away your Jewish powers. Your yes. Jew- yeah. Mm. So so yeah, that made, that was, explains why my Neanderthal DNA is so high because Neanderthals only lived in Europe. And why you're so bad at rap. <laughs> They, I'm bad at rap. But why you're so what? good? But you're so but good my at crafting albums, wheels. You, you out said of you stone. bought them on iTunes. I did. Didn't download it. But, but I he's did. so good at grunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Pretty accurate. Literally, no, nothing else that was not in Europe <laughs> at all. Which I guess I knew I was white, but now it's confirmed genetically <laughs> I am the whitest man. Yeah, 99.9% I am basically white. 100% white. That's awesome. Uh, okay, you are so, basically so, mayonnaise. So identity <laughs> crisis number three. Like I said before, I bought my dad one of these genetic testing kits, right? So my dad finally does it as my behest after I tell him some of these cool things. And then he, he texts me like, hey... Shouldn't I show up as your your father on this? And I was like, and then I had just read like yesterday, or the, the day before, Ooh. I should say. I had just read this story about a guy who did a twenty three andMe testing kit, and then this random guy popped up, and it just automatically identified him as his father. Oh fuck! And he was like, "What? That's why are you? Why is he saying my father?" And he messages him, and then it turns out that his parents, without telling anybody, had gotten like a sperm donor. And that guy Whoa. did 23 of me, and it found him like 47% match, just labeled him as his biological dad. And so when my dad, as soon as my dad said this, I started to be like, oh my God, the whole drive home. Yeah, like, the whole drive home, I got to the point where I, I actually got to the point where I was like, you know what? Even if he's not my dad, yeah. he's still my dad. <laughs> no, Aaron, Aaron, actually, oh, Aaron actually said to me, I mean, at this point, I mean, he'll always be my dad. I was like, yeah. okay. Oh. And, so, like, and so he gives me the login. I finally get home. I log into his, log into mine. And then I'm like, dad. You forgot to check the box that lets you show <laughs> like immediate relatives. <laughs> that was what the problem was. Oh, I don't oh. think you know how close of a correct to crisis I was on the drive home. What if like he confessed to something before then? I was wondering, <laughs> but like you were his son. Like he he checks it and it, everything checks out. Listen, it's not He's my like, fault. The, the the lobby of that hospital was very unguarded. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Look, they were saying I couldn't take my Wait, baby. Joey, I was take Joey, baby. what were you inferring? Oh. 
did you steal someone else's baby? <laughs> yes. No, that's what baby. I'm saying. Well, not I stole baby. your sister. The sperm. <laughs> oh, that's how you get babies. <laughs> he could steal a baby, or I guess he could steal a vial of sperm. I was thinking just taking the baby because it's done. He stole a vial of sperm. <laughs> yeah. And it's like he's just hey, dri- he driving in the front a- seat, and there's he- this jar dangling around next to him. He used his psychic powers to break it. <laughs> what kind do you want, baby? I'm in the fridge. I don't know. What, what do they got back there? So, in oh, this one says 99% European. <laughs> That's a, the European looks like it's a good vintage. I'll take that one. So, in conclusion, I have no idea what Google is going to do with that information, but it definitely targeting ads to you. It definitely made me reassess who I was, and I came out the better for They're it. They're going to stop selling you rap on Google ads. <laughs> So what's our crazy sci-fi question for this week? Before for we this into- one, uh, I forgot. I have one, but it's more related to the book, so I don't know if I should just leave it for when we're talking about that, or we should do it now. Do it now. Sure. All right. If in the book, his mom chooses to relive a dinner over and over called a time loop or a closed time loop. Maybe we should discuss what the book is first. Yeah, that's what Nick wanted to do, and I just said ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> So Nick, well, do whatever you want to week, do. This week, our, our book is on how to live safely in a science fictional universe by Charles Yu. Yes. Which is about time travel. Yes. A time travel machine repairman. repairman. And is self-deprecation. For, yeah. Yes. Is searching for his father. But anyways, a time loop where you relive the same moment over and over again. Yeah. So if you had to choose one moment of your life to relive in a time loop, what would it be? Ugh. Hmm. <laughs> it would probably be... When I was in Boy Scouts, and it was when I was participating in the Pinewood Derby, and I had spent weeks making this specific car to be as aerodynamic as possible, and every single time I ran it down that track, I came in first place, except for track five, where there was something (laughs) wrong with the track, and it would rattle, and my car would come in like fifth. And I would relive that whole time all the way up (laughs) until right before the last time my car went down the track because that was the moment when i was like i'm going to win this thing i'm going to win the pinewood derby because i've won every single track and i'm still in first <laughs> but i would have to lose this last one completely and if i would take it right up to the right before they drop my car down <laughs> because on your the- mark get set <laughs> Hey guys, are you ready for our first heat of the Pinewood Derby? <laughs> yeah, because I I would be like, I'm gonna win this thing because what the reality of what happened was at the last minute I saw somebody's dad go up and talk to the people and then they took my car and swapped it with his son's so that my car was no on track way. five. Oh my god, the one that would cause it to lose and I lost. So, so, but wait, that means that every other kid that was on track five had a disadvantage. Yes, and the theory was that everybody, that they would, you know, keep swapping You know, it out. if you really did build the best car, it would be the fastest in any track, Aaron. Not if the track is defective. <laughs> I this don't is, think, no one should have had that They track. talked about That's this in the sad. book. Aaron's going back to the worst moment yeah. in his life. Yeah. yeah. Because everyone just wants to go back in time and relive the worst part. Why? Yeah, that's that's an important part in this book. Like, as a time travel Way to be on man, theme. Yeah, yeah, nice, Aaron. As a, as a time travel repairman, <laughs> Char- Charles Yu, the author of the book and the fictional narrator in the book, says that uh, time travelers, whenever you give someone time travel, the first thing they want to do is go back and relive the worst moment of their life and try to fix it. You asked specifically about the loop part. Like, what part of your life would you want to stick in? Right, yeah. and just relive. as like yeah. a weird self-contained prison yeah. thing. And you'd be aware of it. Like, you would you'd be like, yeah, you could stop yeah. it like her mom, his mom. I would probably 
basically relive a trip that I went on that I had a lot of fun on. Something like that until I got sick of it. Yeah, it, like you could go real deep and be like, and then I held my child in my arms and it was the greatest moment. But you... <laughs> <laughs> but fuck that say, shit. You have after to have a, while, a child. Or, after a while, your like, arms get tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this or, is taking forever. <laughs> get birthed already. Like my 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 first thought was, well, one year my, for my birthday party, I just had a fifty foot slip and slide, and that was fun. So, so it would only be like a, a twenty seven slide, <laughs> like a twenty seven year slip and slide, or like the first time I rode Space Mountain in Disney oh, World yeah. <laughs> would be yeah. great. I'd uh, I'd do my carpool with Kim out to L.A. Aww. over and over again because that because like I had moved to L.A. by myself and that was awful because I was just living with Kyle and then <laughs> went, went back and got married and then it was like you fell in love with her all over again. Well, it was like finally we can do this thing that you yeah. know it's been coming for months and months. And then we just kind of took three days and drove out here and it was kind of awesome. So I do, let, I'd do let that. me let me be clear like this is. Outside of a sexual nature, like obviously that would be everyone's, <laughs> right? But let's make weird. it real sexual. But also weird that no one went there until yeah. you brought it up, and now yeah. it's like, no, I want to change my answer. Actually, I just um, a million orgasms. <laughs> I want to live that over and over again. I want to dehydrate. I have a question. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> jump in. This was kind of going in. A... I don't know. If, I don't see the teacher yes, around. Yes, the girl she with didn't... the pink t-shirt. Yes, Go yes, ahead. you, Ellen, please. <laughs> Um, okay, if you guys were time machine mechanics, what do you think your most challenging repair would be? Um, the most challenging repair? <laughs> I would say probably the, the, cro- the chrono-diegetic mechanism, because yeah, or, those are really tricky. Or like that one button gets stuck really hard, and you have to like take right. off the whole front panel to the side. I would say the probably side, the, the, the battery or the alternator. <laughs> <laughs> They just had really bad car troubles it would, over here. It would oh. be fixing the things that have a personality. Yeah, I think it would be like uh, controlling the people involved, getting them to do what you need them to do. Like why they give him a gun, <laughs> and then they, he barely describes it, and right. the only thing it's he used for it is to, to use it himself. himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like no, that. Or so, pose in the mirror. So, he, <laughs> yeah, so the central conceit of how to live safely in a science fictional universe is... There's this time travel repairman named Charles Yu, which, yes, also happens to be the man who wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very meta. It's very meta science fiction. Uh, and he's tr- he's repairing his time machine. Everything's going hunky-dory. But he's also kind of like living his life in neutral. And then one day he goes in to get his time machine tuned up a little bit. And as he was landing, he sees another time machine appear. A slightly older version of himself gets out, runs at him. <laughs> Uh, t- hands him a book, and as he's handing him the book, he panics and shoots himself. The important thing is he yeah. didn't panic. Yes, oh, the wait. important thing is you shot yourself <laughs> in the fucking there, stomach. And he, he kills his own himself, as far as he knows, and then he's stuck in this time loop of, like, eventually he's going to have to go back in time, hand himself this book that he has presumably written, and then live it all through again. Try to find a way out of the loop. Yeah, that's the the plot, I guess the action plot. Yeah. But, like, I looked at this book as he just basically used time travel, a science fiction element, to explore his relationship with his father. Yes, yes. absolutely. With his parents. Yeah, absolutely. It, to me, it was more of, like, a literary drama that occasionally woven time travel. Uh, it was described well, but I thought some of the self-analysis of how he felt um, through all those moments in his life was a little, like, overwrought. I got a little, like... 
I felt like there wasn't a lot of plot presented Mm -hmm. for me to digest. It was more like him telling me how to feel about these moments that he was describing. Yeah. And that got, that Uh, warned me a little. He told you not only like one way to feel it, like his metaphors were really great. But then he'd give you a second metaphor, like, it's like this, but it's also like this. That's that's what, in the intro words, what I was talking about is he would describe something, too, where he'd say, like, because it sort of has the science fiction case around this kind of regular story, mm-hmm. it, uh, he would describe things by saying something and then saying it again, mm-hmm. only it's polar opposite. Right, right. He's like, I am everywhere. I am nowhere. This place is 10 minutes in time, or 10 minutes in the future and 10 minutes in the past, and also in the present. It like, could have been, right. it should have been, it would have been, it yeah. was, it, it is. It, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is my mom, but and, it's not. And yeah. I, 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 that have, too. I have, not a theory, but I have a way of framing it that makes it like a little less kind of bad. I guess. Well, it's not bad, <laughs> but, but it's it, 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 great. It, it, it makes it a little more palatable, I should say. And this, and once I started like reading it this way, I was like, okay, I can see what he's doing with it. Is that that frame of writing and overwriting and overanalyzing and kind of fixating on something? It's creating a mood. It's creating a mood, but it's also uh, that's how depressed people write. If they get too like Ooh. fixed on something, they tend to just kind of like re and overanalyze and analysis mm-hmm. paralysis, and they just kind of get stuck in this mode, reliving and looping, and it, and it's very self destructive. It is kind of a self. So uh, he kind depre- of yeah, it's self deprecating, and it's sort of like what I could have done wrong, what's wrong with me, and so like it's a depressed person in this book, and and the book is so kind of self aware. I started to read like not only did he write things in a long rambling way but he would also infuse techno babble mm-hmm. which is a very common sci-fi trope uh, and use that as part of a uh, he basically used techno babble as a coping mechanism like he would emotionally distance himself from what was happening by descri- over describing it the way science fiction writers will over describe the way a certain science fiction element works sort of but yet at the same time there was a lot of action description like plot description i mean when he went into right. the when he went into the the memories that's what was extremely detailed and then the rest of the world was was less so right what if what if this was it wasn't meant to be a book at all this was a letter a cry for help and people were like oh charles we love your book what book <laughs> i'm I'm, I'm having Give me my suicide note. <laughs> well, I I just re- I remember listening to the audiobook and there's this one part where he just asked the reader like six questions in a row and I was just like, "Buddy, I don't know." You listen yeah. to it. Yeah. The, the whole thing? Yeah. So here's here's the did you I listened to it as well. You listened to it as well? I read it on and Kindle. You, okay. I I did both. So I read it when it came out mm-hmm. and then listened to it again for this mm-hmm. and I walked away from it the second time listening to it, completely different like opinion at the end of it. Yeah, I heard you how, mention that. How was it different for you? That's I, why I stuck to if, reading it. If I, if I, my only experience was listening to it, I would not endorse it at all. Okay. I, I left the the book thinking it was great and like the sort of mood that was like this isn't what I expected, but sort of how Aaron was talking about, it created a really good feeling of, like, the story. Not necessarily creating a good story, but, like, everything together as one cohesive piece, how, like, oh, it's cool that the book is part of the story you're reading and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was really neat, and I got to put my own sort of delivery on it. The audiobook I listened to, and it's not saying that the reader was bad. It's just (laughs) he imposed a different tone to the whole thing, kind of had, like, a 
a little bit of a snarkiness or like right. a cockiness to how he was describing this technical stuff and then going back and talking about his parents and it was like dude fuck, so that fuck would, you like I don't care okay. yeah that kind of made yeah. you hate okay. him yeah it made or, me hate the character yeah, yeah. not so, necessarily well, hate the book or like anything changed but just to give the readers at home a sense of what we're talking about where this he'll kind of re over describe and then re-describe and techno babbleize a very simple sort of emotional thing that's happening in the story Here's a description from the book. It's a point in the book when he is discussing the tension in his household growing up between his parents. Like, his parents fight a lot over money. And so this is how he would describe that. The house became charged, a field of static potential energy, a kind of vectorless disappointment, a field of invisible isovoltaics, lines with arrowheads pointing in minute directional indicators, a bogglingly complex arrangement of single-point losses, the fine pixel array, the heat map of a thermodynamic system whose ending was already foretold in the current steady state. What was that, Nick? Like seven or eight? Oh, I didn't count, I didn't count seriously, but I, I was just making a joke. Like, as whereas, I was listing things, I was doing the number on my yeah, fingers. Whereas another writer could have said, you know, the tension between my parents was thick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could eat it with a spoon. I appreciated the book for many reasons. There were there there were some great scenes. Like I, I liked when he visited that girl, he had to help her with her time loop problem. With her regret of her mom with dying her, or something. Yeah, her grandma, mm-hmm. I think. And so I, I enjoyed you know, that. I enjoyed the more plot-heavy moments. Mm-hmm. For, for a person that was kind of antisocial, didn't want to be around people, he managed people pretty well. Yeah, Like, he was talking calm. people down from changing their timelines. Yeah, I just, I just thought that I, I just was amazed that he could like ramble on the way that he did. I, I don't know, but but if you said that the audiobook makes it harder, it to just like, makes it more grating. Yeah, and it's it like, was it's, for me. It's interesting hearing you say that because that's exactly how I felt. Even though I remember liking this book a lot, mm-hmm. and that's because I didn't have to hear someone else say all that stuff, and I didn't really equate it with the person so much as the thing that I'm reading is like this physical object in the the world of the book and it has stuff that doesn't really translate well to audio like this page intentionally left blank mm-hmm. you know he skips ahead mm-hmm. like that page is intentionally yeah, left blank yeah how'd they do that in the audiobook they, they just, just said, said it, it. This page is <laughs> yeah. So it's like stuff like that. It really helped you b- get into the the headspace of the world of this book so much so much better than the audiobook did. Yeah, I can see so. that. Okay, well, since you said that you like some of the plot-heavy elements, let's maybe just describe some of the overall plot of the book and who the char- cast of characters and are. Daddy issues, sex bots. <laughs> what were the other ones? I forget. Well, he, he so, goes into the uh, main city. He, his his time machine oh, yeah, has his, to get his First of all, let's talk about the, ca- the characters in the book. There's the main character, Charles Yu. Yeah, and not very traveler. many. Then there's yeah. also his operating system, Tammy, who's sort of a depressed computer. <laughs> yeah. Then he also. Why would ha- they make a computer like this? I know. <laughs> He's depressed. Yeah. And then he also has a, a dog that is a, a science fictional dog. A science fictional dog that does not exist, but and that's but where, does exist and exists does nowhere exist. but everywhere. Well, How did he get the dog? Like, why yeah. doesn't okay, the dog so th- exist? So that's one thing I thought was actually kind of interesting. Is this book treats time travel not so much as purely in the traditional science fiction sense of time travel is going back in your own timeline or whatnot, mm-hmm. but it, it takes the the metaphor of multiverses and t- makes it very much about 
actual story narrative and all the language of time travel like in the the company he works for and in the science time warner time yeah time warner time which is a great uh is all built around like stories and changing your own story and entering other stories so like at one point he goes and and confronts one of the people who uses the time traveler the, the time machine from his company and breaks it and it's luke skywalker's son Linus Skywalker, who's sick of living <laughs> in his dad's shadow, and, that's, and the, that's because he goes into that story, aka the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and helps that kid out. You know, on that point, I actually really did like the description of the universe. Like, there was one point I don't have it in front of me. Minor where Universe Thirty One. He was describing how the science fictional universe surrounds their universe and what's at the core of it, and like he like built this whole world based on science fiction as if it was part of his galaxy or it was yeah. very yeah. interesting it's just like science, they call points. it like science fictional science or something yeah. like that like it's just a, yeah, a sci- different mechanism yeah, science fiction thing. science fictional uh, science is just like another element of exploring the metaverse yeah i took it as like you know how middle earth just called themselves middle earth it's just the yeah the earth <laughs> yeah it's just there but if you practice science fiction world. you're essentially finding new ways to explore these story structures that in your universe or other ones just to kind of describe the the universe that he primarily lives in, Minor Unit Universe Thirty One, he has kind of an interesting description of that world. It's mainly a city called uh, what was the, what? What did we decide it was called? <laughs> new La- new no New Angeles slash Lost Tokyo Two. Yeah. So essentially, in the universe that our character spends most of his time in. Uh, it's really well, just he, a giant. He spends city. most of the time on the road, so on to the speak. Road. But when he comes back, travel. but when he comes back into normal time, he spends mm-hmm. most of his time everywhere, yet nowhere. Yes, <laughs> very good. Oh my god! It's in this giant mega city. Charles that was Yu is here with us. <laughs> it's in a giant mega city that's a combination of Las Vegas and Tokyo. At, but no, 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 Los it's, Angeles. No, it's Los New York, New York, and Los Angeles merged. And yeah. and Tokyo. And Tokyo okay, went so, through like an event. Yeah, is that so, what you're? Reading? Geographically, 31, universe, Minor Universe 31, is composed of what used to be New York and Los Angeles, which merged into each other in the process swallowing up what was in between. <laughs> Plus, half of Tokyo, which, quote, bifurcated along the spatio-temporal fault line, moved across the world and wrapped itself around the perimeter of the recently formed New York-Los Angeles chimera. Yeah. So, you can spit some pretty good fake signs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. that that was one of my favorite moments in the book and and i got the sense i was that maybe like once science fiction either science fiction had always existed in this universe or like once the time travel element entered it yeah then it just fucked everything up and suddenly like you know half of tokyo goes missing wild card (laughs) (laughs) and uh, see that part of the science fiction stuff i like it's like what it did to their world but when, Mm -hmm. when you start talking about like luke skywalker's son that kind of took me out of it mm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm. and there there wasn't very much of that. No, there wasn't. So yeah. it's like, why yeah. bother? It just like, touched it. Yeah, right, like why 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 tap into some into a specific pop culture when the rest is very general? Yeah, or or I, why cheapen the world you're already yeah. building? Because, I, I think it was just his way of saying that all stories are included in this possibility space, uh, and. And to get back to the original question, where did his dog come from? <laughs> yeah. There is oh, yeah. a story that this dog existed in as, like, the sidekick, and then the writers of this story, this narrative, retconned him out, and so he no longer existed, 
and yet still he found existed. Him. They found him floating through space or something. But the but the point is, he uses kind of like a funny uh, philosophical concept to describe him when he says the dog is ontologically valid. That's that's an old argument for the existence of God rather than dog. So Ed is God. Yes. The con and, and, and the idea is dog that- backwards. <laughs> Exactly. That's oh what I was getting. Oh my gosh! And the the point is that <laughs> when you say something is ontologically valid, it means that if you can describe it, then it means it must exist. So if you can say oh, like wow. like God, I'm a millionaire with a million dollars in all the houses, I have seventy cars, then that means the concept of Joey. You Joey just made another Joey exists. in another universe very happy. Yeah. Well, yes. Good but for not that you. guy. <laughs> And oh, that guy's a jerk. I'm going to time travel to there and then murder so, him and take his place. So saying the dog which does not exist somehow validates it and means the dog which does not exist is an, oh my God, is an he entity. Just, he just killed a dog? <laughs> he killed a dog! <laughs> no, he said by saying it doesn't exist, it's it not does acknowledging exist. it. By giving it a definition, exist. it means that it somehow exists as some sort of Can you pass more idea. pot over here? I would, <laughs> I would like to. Okay, that brings me up to one of the first things I said to Aaron this morning was like, this this book is like the very thought out ramblings of a high person a person that is <laughs> very on, depressed high person mm-hmm. yes well, but it's not like babbling it's like very sound and but well, yeah this guy's very I, smart I you can ask. tell he's yeah, super yeah intelligent. he's definitely yeah. intelligent i think he's like a mathematician or he something isn't he? Lawyer. he's a lawyer he's a lawyer he's a lawyer okay i'd like to talk about the rules of time travel and how they set up yeah I, that I, always interest to me in stories yeah i thought that was pretty funny that that his job is basically to go to people who try to use the time machines that the, his company provides incorrectly and his job is partially to, to fix the time machine but also partially to just explain to the person look yeah i know you want to change the past here's the good news and the bad news you can change the past or you can try to but a time probably won't let you and if and if you do manage to change the past it's not going to be the past that you want it's yeah gonna, you're, you can go into like a world where you existed in that timeline but everything won't feel right and it won't be the world that you want well like, like it, it was their, their it version the of looper world. where they're like just don't think about it some of the best quotes in here i think are like you don't have to worry you can't change the past the universe just doesn't put up with that we aren't important enough no one is even in our own lives this is depressing actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not it's strong enough willful enough skilled enough in chronodiegetic manipulation to be able to just accidentally change the entire course of anything even ourselves wow I, all right i just discovered a new meaning of that passage. <laughs> well it's but, like what ellen was talking about with like the girl who was trying to see her mom before she died i think it was the grandmother, grandmother. oh grandmother sorry and then, yeah, yeah. but he's and then he went on this lecture that was kind of like you know you can't you can't she can't see you, you know? because and and even if he does cha- or she does change the past it will go into a tangent of and it an alternate universe yeah. and then she's he said she'd get like sucked into there yeah, yeah stay there forever there, but, but like but it would be unsatisfying apparently but yeah the, just because he says so it sounds like because like if she gets sucked into a universe where she got to do what she wanted to do like i don't It'd understand well, what the downside. well think, think about this he works for the corporation maybe they don't let him let the people <laughs> do what they want which <laughs> would like be the, make them happier well i haven't i have an argument to suggest that he actually was right and that it would wouldn't feel right and that's 
uh, and this is maybe jumping way too far ahead, but in the course of his journeys to try to track down both an answer to his conundrum of being stuck in this time loop and discover what happened to his dad, at one point he gets thrown out of time into, into a Buddhist temple. Yeah, what's called the, the subjunctive tense, because the way you operate a time machine is you either have the past tense, where you go into the past, the, or the present tense, where you go into the present, or the future tense, which they don't really explore that much. But yeah. anyway... It's, That'd be it, a way longer book. But it's, again, playing with <laughs> that, that verbiage of, of storytelling being you know time travel as authorship you know it's mm-hmm. all about writing your own narrative sort and of and the subjunctive and he is goes into the subjunctive which is if. like what what should be kind mm-hmm. of or and, what could and be. when he yeah and when he goes into the what could be he discovers like an idealized version of what his dad had created of his mom of like his mom and and like his mom is like the ideal version of his mom but it's not the same he but it's not like mom. it feels uncomfortable. But it, but it, it is, is his mom. It is his mom, <laughs> but it's like she's perfectly zen and calm. But it's not his mom. But it's not his mom. But it this, is. This is this is our <laughs> podcast, but it isn't. It, yeah, we're making it, and, and he's. But it's it's already. You're been not going to experience right. it the way I will. And at first, he's like, "Wow, this is exactly what I wish I grew up with." But the longer he spends with her, he's like, "You're you're like a doppelganger. You're creepy. I don't want to. Sp- I don't like this. I mm-hmm. want out of here." And I think that maybe that was what would happen to anyone else who got stuck in. To like some alternate but timeline. Yeah. True. Um, That's although- a problem of the person. <laughs> it's just like you can't get just over the fact that you know that they're a different version of the reality that you're in, but just fucking get over it if this is where you wanted to be. But what if you eat ice cream and it doesn't quite taste as good? Well, then eat, it, eat something else. You paid, I'm going to push you through the black hole so you stop wasting my you fucking time. You ordered it from Red Lobster. <laughs> but yeah. You got to eat. <laughs> in this universe, Red Lobster closed, Joey. That's fine. No. I'll go to Purple Lobster. Because lobsters are purple here. Bomb that universe immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Minor Universe 32. Uh, Another quote about time is, uh, time isn't an orderly stream. Time isn't a placid lake recording each of our ripples. Time is vicious. Time is a massive flow. It's a self-heating substance, which is to say almost everything will be lost. We're too slight, too inconsequential, despite all our thrashing and swimming and weaving our arms about. Time is an ocean of inertia, drowning out the small vibrations, absorbing the slash and churn. So it's like you could you could make whatever you want, but it's just time is too massive. It's all bullshit anyway. I don't. It's not even worth it. I'm gonna go back to bed and eat Doritos. I don't even care. I'll go to the other timeline where I didn't do that. Suck into that one. His his machine is such a bachelor pad. <laughs> Yeah, his, it, let's talk about his time machine for yeah. a little bit. His time machine, I guess, is a little bit larger or his than a jack shower. Off ship. It's his a little ja- bit larger than a shower. It's like a shower that you could lay down in. It's a double wide Doctor Who booth. Yeah, yeah. And, not even that big. But because Doctor Who, I've never watched Doctor Who. Oh, okay. <laughs> Doctor Who, the there's a ship. Well, it's is, bigger is on big, the inside. It, oh, right, it's bigger on the inside. inside. Okay. But his is like the short end of that deal. It's like, oh, it's exactly the same. As <laughs> yeah, it is. his, his is the was same like size. Just, just wide enough to lay down in and then sit down and then look out a wall of it and like one wall i guess goes invisible and you can kind of see out at whatever time so do you think stream you're looking at i wanted to ask you guys what you saw when he was in like the nothingness he's just floating or you know like in his everywhere yet nowhere time his halfway time yeah yeah what does that look like is it like a constant swirling storm of electricity or is it like i imagine it like just a tunnel in the doctor clocks intro. like what nothing but clocks yeah i just i just think i pictured like nothingness like just black yeah so you're 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 sitting completely isolated in this box completely isolated in 
blackness everywhere and i think so i mean i had some trouble picturing some of what he was describing when i listened to the book mm-hmm. i couldn't picture a lot of it so i might have missed out on a visual I just well there's the the like blue kind of clouds rushing past like you're in time war or a uh, like a time tunnel yeah. yeah yeah okay that's that doesn't sound so bad like if you're actually floating around in blackness though that just seems like <laughs> isolated yeah. although, isolated although there's isolation. a passage i don't know i think just... spending 10 years inside a phone booth is <laughs> yeah i actually i didn't quite buy that that this that this main character would spend 10 full years doing his job totally removed and having no per- inner like interpersonal relationships on earth quote unquote well, there's the ai tammy where he just jacks off to a picture well, of i her. think it's because he was just really depressed and wanted to right retreat. but if you think i mean i understand what he was trying to do i just think that 10 years is a very long time that was supposed to buy that he's just been floating around and that he hasn't wanted yeah. to go into the into he's um, probably seen stuff stuff though because i mean he still has to interact with customers yeah doing yeah his i guess maybe if there was more of that i would have been picturing it a little bit maybe better. he was really ugly mm. i don't i didn't get that sense <laughs> they didn't say he was not not ugly well uh, another another ugly. rule of time travel in this book is that years will go by and then he'll go back to earth and it'll be like three days i really yeah. like the whole thing where he's talking about oh, yeah. he's paid rent for like a week yeah or the last like five years or yeah. whatever i was but like every, oh that's but every time sweet. he he went landlord he was like 12 years older <laughs> yeah, he saw yeah. like, uh, 24 hours before yeah or something. that was interesting i was like oh that's a that's a hell of a deal mm-hmm. yeah if you could just make a house size thing float through nothingness you live for like a week but you pay like 10 bucks in rent mm-hmm. i just i just i would have thought that i mean the book was so heavy on his parents i just and I they mean, both kind of seem like shitty people that's the yeah. weird thing like he didn't give either of them a really big redeeming th- like qual- characteristic it seemed to me but you can't choose your family you that, can't yeah, but you, you can. can write a whole book and stew about like how shitty it was growing up with them and then wishing you would have done everything like, different I, d- I didn't get like so does he want to find his dad because you didn't really get a sense that he liked his dad or he did I think like it was is he just, trying to find him to tell him off or i think he just didn't understand really him loves? i think yeah. it was just he needed closure more than anything else yeah. like there his dad just disappeared and then he was he was kind of stuck on his own i will say well, i kind of liked the dad just because out of nostalgia i just think back on like science fair projects where me and my dad would just work in the garage on stuff it's and then eventually he would take it over and yeah, build yeah. it <laughs> well, build it correctly and anything that went wrong was probably my fault yeah i, I definitely felt by the end that i understood his parents it was a sad story but at least they felt like full and with the dad though i think by the end i got the sense that our narrator just wanted to be like you know what i forgive you for yeah. not being perfect and yeah. I, I want you back in my life that because, was the sense okay. i got just a little yeah. backstory for the reader or listeners at home uh, who should have read this? Who should have read this? But if you did, should read it. Like most of the sto- mo- much of the book is spent in uh, time travel induced flashbacks of him going back and revisiting key points of him growing up with his dad. Where as did he, we fuck up? As he and his dad <laughs> invent uh, invent time travel together. So or one it, of the potential inventors of yes, yeah. but the, the fact that they still use the TM thirty one suggests that they did go back and use their designs. Because they they invented all the f- one through eighteen mm. twenty seven whatever. Gotcha. But anyway, uh, like the, the so he his dad invents time travel, but doesn't really isn't put together enough to 
really market it or find a way to turn it to his advantage to actually improve their circumstances as a family. So they're just perpetually poor and fighting. And then one day his dad just disappears. Uh, and they, he assumes it had something to do with the time machine, but he doesn't know. And then, you know, 10 years later, the, the narrator, Charles Yu, uh, is just this time machine repairman who is dealing with all his personal issues and unresolved problems with his parents. With his parents specifically. And yeah. and he mentions one girlfriend that he may or may not have ever had, who may or may not have ever existed. But he never goes into may detail. May or may not have had sweet tits because she was a blue person. Oh, yeah, the All alien sex. Alien one-night stand. Yeah. Yeah, but he mainly his main focus of the book is uh, the parents. There's a great summation of his father here. My father thinks success must be in direct proportion to effort exerted. He doesn't know where or how to exert the least amount for the most gain. He doesn't know where the secret buttons are, the hidden doors, the golden keys. It's like yeah. a very honest, down-to-earth, and think, you know, I, I did something good, I should be rewarded. Kind of naive, but then there's a scene where uh, I loved, I did actually really love the scene where they're trying to show... The executive, or oh. the, the guy. Yeah, there's a famous brutal. guy from like a, a science fiction institute who's going to come and, and view their experiments that they've worked on in time travel for the last uh, seven years. And if he's impressed, then presumably he'll sort of put his blessing on it and hire him and then it'll change fund everything it or for the something. family and fund it and then his his father will be redeemed he'll be redeemed and then they'll have money and security but then it doesn't work the, <laughs> it fails the thing for that scene too is the entirety of it he's talking about how this time i feel like it could it could maybe happen and that's yeah. how i felt too and like i'd already read the book and I'm listening to it again, oh, yeah, and please, I still kind of felt that same time. way. It's like, oh, it might work out this time. <laughs> he's told it you might be over, different this time. Yeah, what if he's it told was? You over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, there's the twist. I was like, <laughs> that would Joey be amazing. Just, <laughs> Joey just drops the book and like looks around <laughs> as if like people are just time traveling, I, just watching you. I check my ID and it says Charles Yu. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Look in the mirror. I'm Chinese, <laughs> or Since I'm Asian. When? I'm Asian and depressed. <laughs> Oh my god, I am depressed. Uh, but, but then uh, later on, though, there, doesn't he... <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Kim, how do I become Asian? <laughs> and a time traveler? Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I digress. I was just going to say that eventually, though, they talk about how the father kept working on his time machine. And that's what he ends up yeah. going away in, right? Yeah, he, he goes back to his garage working late at night, not with his son anymore, and then suddenly, and then one day disappears. Well, it's clear the son was the weak link, obviously. Yes. <laughs> and Would have got done way sooner, son, if you hadn't fucked everything up all the time. Let's talk about the book. He I, hands himself a book. Yeah. Coming so out of this, the- I love this this concept a lot because it was it's essentially a book from nowhere, right? So and this is a very classic sci-fi paradox, right? You are just standing there, a guy comes and hands you this book and says, Transcribe this book and give it to yourself. And so the guy takes the book, he transcribes it word for word, has it published. And then takes one of the copies that was published, hops in a time machine, goes back to in time to himself, and hands him that book. Then, essentially, that that book exists. It's it's in a closed circuit, and, and there's no paradox, and yet it's something that has come from nowhere. Yeah. Well, whenever no whenever origin. I hear stuff like that, I always think that there must be one timeline where he where he, where he had to write it, and that timeline exists. And every other time, he can pass it off. Well, that's, but that that's one what time, he thought he was in. He thought yeah. he was in the first rerun of the time loop. Right. Maybe he wasn't, right. And yet, 
and yet at the the way they kind of resolved that was as he was reading the book that his his future self gave him there was a system in the time machine that would transcribe everything that he was thinking and reading on into a new book which he then planned to give to his younger self oh yeah this this process or this part of the book was very repetitious and very mm-hmm. technical yeah but it's, then there was also a couple but then there was also points where like what you're reading now is what i'm thinking and even that's that aside where i said what you're reading now is what i'm thinking was also oh, something that was in the book already <laughs> <laughs> you're like whoa see the ramblings of a person that's high you're but like, that that made the having the physical book in front of you so much cooler yeah because it it, it felt like it, you were mm-hmm. actually part of this thing where listening to it I just, you don't get that at get all that. like yeah, half, I didn't half get of that. the cool part <laughs> so we're, a little backstory on this concept. It's a very old sci-fi trope, and it actually, it's called the bootstrap paradox. Bootstraps, bootstraps. <laughs> and it was named after a famous Robert Heinlein short story called By His Bootstraps, which deals with that specific paradox of causality and time travel, where it's a guy who goes back, at, who is uh, writing his master's thesis on time travel, right? And then suddenly a portal opens up behind him, and a, an older version of himself gets out and tries to shove him through the time portal, and then he's like, no, get out of here! And Me? Then, and then another version of himself comes through and stops that guy. <laughs> and the, but It's, it, but it's my pro- hero, me number three. Of, yeah, but in the process of that fight, he gets knocked through the time portal and then sees, like, a really old, wizened man and then says, like, you know, you have to go back through and get these... and try to try to get you through this p- p- time portal at all times and was that also him and it was the, and that that version of him going back to get him into the time portal was the guy who just came through <laughs> <laughs> and then and no, then, they, it's and then he cool. goes through again and then uh, the old man's like oh you're back well, all, all the cool me's are doing it throw, yeah. throw me in <laughs> and then he, and then the old man's like oh you're back well get me this this and this it's because we have to prepare for the approach of of this old man so he goes back through again the and then he goes back again but then he arrives 10 years earlier than before and then in that 10 years becomes the old man so the whole thing was just a basically a whole <laughs> conversation and slash struggle with himself and it's like where did this even begin yeah but that's that's the but short did he story find his father uh it, the father was himself the whole time <laughs> oh that was my theory that i had for this book Hmm. early on as soon as he talked about like he's like some people go back in time some people are their own uncles some people are even their own dads something clicked i was like my mom's pretty hot so i i had that theory and there are hints throughout it in the book i mean eventually it doesn't pay off but (laughs) like that first conversation when he goes visits and visits his mom and he just he apologizes a lot he's just like sorry sorry i have to go mom and he's like no stay no sorry i have to go and then when he meets her in the temple or the other the her that's in the temple he's like has dad been through here and he, she's like yes he has oh what did he say uh he he just apologized and then he said he had to go hmm. i was like that's evidence <laughs> and there, there are a couple other places sprinkled throughout the book like once he said he kind of looked like a miniature version of his dad mm-hmm. that would have been so dark yeah. <laughs> that would have been could, like Back still, to the Future, but like the, the X rated version. Back to the Future meets Old Boy. It's yeah. still, <laughs> it still could be true, though. It could be. I mean, it could. I mean, that's an interesting uh-huh. theory. It could be because I want it to be. <laughs> that was a theory that a friend of mine had after we saw Looper. We talked about it for like an hour and a half after we saw the film, and he was just convinced that Joseph Gordon Levitt was also 
the the Hurt Locker, the father, oh. <laughs> or, or no, was also Bruce Willis. That they were the same person. They are. They are. Oh wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about the young psychic kid was also pa- part Bruce of, Willis. Part sorry, of me, sorry, sorry. Part of me yeah, wanted to just sorry. stop the podcast and be like, Ellen. no, no, no. That- I thought that would have made it uh, made it a much better movie if they were the same person. <laughs> I still don't get why he disappeared at the end. <laughs> that was weird. Is it magic? <laughs> I will now make this blood <laughs> sacrifice to disappear this man. <laughs> Wait, there's magic in this world? All right. Okay. I meant to say that the little boy was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was Bruce Willis. So they were all the same uh, okay. person. Got it. Okay. That's there. wrong. Because then, it, because then it would have been that... He banged his mom. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Got a little mm. confused. Yeah, let's do that now. Let's do that, too. So mom banging. <laughs> Why has no science fiction taken on the subject of banging your mom in the past? <laughs> it's been a popular subject. Well, I mean, like, like they, hint, the they hint at it, but no one follows... Oh, no. no one has no one, the right. gumption. No one follows through. No one follows through with it. Come on. So did you want to talk about the uh, how he gets out of this time loop? Uh, yes, I would like to talk about how he gets out of his own time loop. You he mean, just okay. leans into it. Yeah, you mean like 50 pages of buildup and then it's over in four seconds? Yes. Yes, go on. Well, so basically how he describes it is that he must do the exact same thing. He has to go back to the station. He has to get out of his time machine. He has to hand the book to his younger self who then must shoot him. But the way it's described, what I took from it is the way that he gets shot he actually doesn't die from the gunshot wound yeah. which wouldn't that have happened the first time or are we supposed to believe that he did something slightly different which i think that's what to. happened the first time but he just, didn't just don't know that i think yeah. he just assumed that he got stuck in a time loop that he didn't actually get stuck yeah in. i think yeah. he just and yet it. and right. yet that book had to have come from somewhere so he must have gotten into a time loop at some point and maybe this is the one time that the one variable that was changing was each all the errors that he made in that book were slightly altering the, the loop like it was it would you by using the book from nowhere paradox he was able to slightly diverge his to escape it uh, his, his thinking his because thinking. he does say that his younger self recognizes has a awareness that he didn't seem to have right before he shoots him he still shoots him but th- there's this <laughs> moment where they lock eyes and they like know what yeah. they're thinking what there was a there was a section where he asked Tammy specifically how long have I been this loop and then she gets out of it in some way I don't yeah she doesn't, she, she doesn't she sidesteps she that says one. the first time yeah this is the first time well, but she, it, but then she says this would always appear to be the first time to right me. Oh, yeah. yeah so she's being shady yeah it, it's it's Tammy, probably one of those Tammy things throws where some shade it's happened yeah. forever and <laughs> yeah for all we know so he leans into it, he gets shot, and it turns out he doesn't die. Instead, he stumbles into the other, the other time machine that was not taken by his younger self. And once he's in that time machine, he's like, oh, this really hurts, but I'm not dead. At that point, he realizes, oh, I have a chance now to actually go and find my dad, because I conveniently found this diorama that was there the whole time, possibly left by either his dad or a past version of himself. But that he just doesn't seems know where they so came out from. of nowhere. It does seem well, out of nowhere. Both times. It's like it's yeah. like they wrapped up the story as if it wasn't a main focus of the book. Yeah. But the book was all about finding his See, dad. See, I was I was expecting more of- to the story about where his dad has been. Oh, he was right. lost. His time machine broke down, of course. Yeah. Right. Like I was very interested in like where where has he been? Like what is his 
universe look like but at, at the same time i don't know what i would have been satisfied with yeah like yeah. after all of that like the whole part the whole point of it was him just being able to see him again and like reconcile right. everything but i don't i don't know what it would have been oh yeah great that's exactly and what then, i wanted to right also so he he'll be able to go find his dad and then also he vowed to go spend more time with his mom in her lock and time finally, loop and finally go find <laughs> his depressing. girlfriend and marry her the blue his, lady the, the theoretical well, marie the it, the woman that I've never met, but I would have if I'd been living my life. Oh. But let's call her Marie. Right. At the end, at the end, he decides Marie to go hot. find that at, at the behest of one of the uh, alternate versions that he, of himself. Hey, bro, he met, go get laid. <laughs> that that he met along his journeys, which was the retcon bus. Oh yeah. The whole thing where he like kisses himself and yeah, all this yeah. shit. Yeah. Slaps him. Oh, I, I yeah. love the fact that his. See, I was imagining the bus driver as just like this fat older version of himself. <laughs> and so when he's like, you know, there are different versions of you and some are aware and that makes them the perfect one. I'm the perfect you. You are not the perfect you. I am. And but it's just funny that he's a fat bus driver. Is the best and then he just be. kicks him out. He's like, go solve shit. The funniest thing <laughs> is that that's his last name. Oh. <laughs> you. Charles, you. <laughs> <laughs> so, where was the bus when he was on it? I it's everywhere. I, I couldn't. It was his nowhere. bus was in like outside space time. So like he, how did he you left the that? temple, I think, and then he just appeared in the. I bus? just imagine he was in some whirling. I believe it's described as like a whirling void, massive stories within stories within stories, and he, he it, the, the retcon bus picks him up when he's kicked out of this place outside of time that's in the pos- like in the should be space and back into the reality time space and as he goes back into the reality time space then suddenly he can see like millions and billions of stories swirling around him and if he were to I like that like they're passing through like an aquatic underwater uh you know where you see fish all around you yeah but yeah. those were his memories i thought okay. that was kind of cool visual yeah Ooh, that's but like i was a... definitely imagining a short bus was that like willy wonka <laughs> and the chocolate factory when they go through the tunnel and you mm. see there's no them. earthly way of knowing you see all the which way we are going videos on this on this all the, the horrors they are growing and your father disappearing <laughs> and your mother becoming depressed <laughs> i'm really glad i Is brought that, that up <laughs> well we gotta have a singing segment every so, yeah that's right so my question is did he actually find his dad at the end did he not die and the reason i ask is like the whole story uh, is written in the present tense you know haha time travel Ooh. like well, let's play with the, what's happening right now versus the past but it suddenly switches tenses which i only bring up because it is such an important part of the time travel element of this story mapping mm-hmm. it switches tenses to the subjunctive tense at the very end like okay here's what you should do or you, you could do and and, Ooh, good, and then good it's pick like up. And then it's like, you could go find your the, the perfect girl. He's and, passing the book off again, trying yes. to push people. So, like, it's possible he died. And, like, that, that was more just, like, a wish fulfillment of, like, this is what, in an ideal world... This is what would happen. You would you would find I, your dad, ooh, and like you would well, you would. Okay, that's uh, their their top spinning. That's their inception moment. Well, wasn't wasn't um, <laughs> what down. you were just talking about? Isn't that what he's reading out of the end of his book? That was what was oh. automatically dictated out of his head. Right. So he basically solves what's wrong with him in the time loop so before he survives getting shot again. He's already written 
down like you should find your dad you should do this you should do that right so but that could have been like what was just written in his like his dying breath maybe it was i think it was written before he was shot is what i'm saying but then it would have been written rewritten again as he was dying but I mean, it's pot. It, I just it, had a nosebleed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe, but, maybe it was just to signify that he's finally not going to live in like this, this nothingness. It's like it changes tenses because he's actually going to start moving forward and tide and towards not, the. Yeah. the Maybe. Like I didn't, I didn't even notice that. I'm gonna take That's, a shower. I didn't notice it, and, except for the fact that I've been dwelling on this tense thing, and then I noticed that, and I was, it jumped out at me mm. because it was the first time it switched to that specific tense. Yeah, yeah. To me, it felt like he finally was giving himself. Um, the, he, as an older, wiser man, was finally giving advice to his self like to <laughs> actually go out there and like and forgive his dad and 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 be with his mom and have a girlfriend like to me it was him finally being like all right this is how i want to live the rest of my life from like this point on this is how i wish that i live the rest of my life if i wasn't dead <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i can follow the dead yeah. thing but that that's an interesting way to to frame it for sure mm-hmm. i like how we're all just like thinking now yeah. it's getting quiet like mm, mm. all right quiet time in so the basically like when he was uh chose to accept fate he's like i'm accepting it but i'm not like i'm doing this but like from the i outside, want to yeah. but i'm gonna look at him yeah. real hard from, from the outside yeah. it looks the same like I, it's still me going out to get shot but on the inside it's me making this choice yeah right. you tell yourself that buddy <laughs> right yeah whatever makes you sleep at night <laughs> um, yeah fuck my past me i don't want to get shot <laughs> yeah i think i come dig. out guns blazing <laughs> if i'm going i'm taking all the universes and parallel universes with me <laughs> So, you know, I feel like we've kind of poo-pooed everything more so than we've talked about, like, whether yeah, or not we actually... don't read this book. Don't read it? No. No. I, I like it. I like just I needed said. more Ed. Like, they were like, oh, it's got this... <laughs> it's cute. It's got this cute uh, dog sidekick, but he really didn't do anything. He does fart. Yes. On okay. cue when he's tired of something. <laughs> but I I mean, I liked it enough to read it again. It's it's like the sci-fi's version of, like, Garden State or something. Yeah, like, yeah. it's, you know... Yeah, I I just didn't like listening to it, and I... Well, I, I so, think it, Charles, it makes... if you're listening to this, sorry we... Yeah, I, I guess we talked mostly about the bad parts, but yeah, <laughs> well, we all enjoyed it. I yes, enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it overall. I thought some of the passages were really well-written. I The style sometimes got to me a little bit but i definitely appreciate it as a literary work you should you should try just reading a chapter yeah in print just to see how different it feels it's crazy it it made me feel things and that's scary (laughs) (laughs) so this is why i didn't know where you're going (laughs) no this is scary for you i like (laughs) so here's one passage that i read that actually really stuck out to me as kind of the thesis statement of the whole thing if we were to interpret this as the ramblings of a depressed man and using you know story narrative and the and revisiting the past as a coping mechanism but this is what really kind of it uh did it for me everyone has a time machine everyone is a time machine it's just that most people's time machines are broken The strangest and hardest kind of time travel is the unaided kind. People get stuck. People get looped. People get trapped. But we are all time machines. So that was like kind of going back that scene where they're trying to pitch their version of time travel, where like the dad's talking about it's something everybody has. But uh, actually, I think that was in a totally unrelated section. That one was? Yeah, that was not in the pitch. That was just him musing on the, but it was musing on that same concept. Yeah. Yeah, to to me that passage was a 
metaphor for you can always forgive and go back and rebuild um read relationships or we are all time machines moving forward at the same you're speed a time and, but I'll, but hey, you're a, a time machine <laughs> you're not you're too slow <laughs> but also in the uh in the actual mechanics of how time travel worked, it suggested that the act of remembering was, in fact, a form of time travel. Like, yeah, when he, when he was pitching to the CEO or that guy from the company, because, yes, they actually built a, a physical time machine that goes back. But the way he was talking to this guy, it was like, oh, my God, this crazy person's just selling us an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some snake oil. Some space snake oil. I thought of the fact, like a time tra- time machine repairman, I kind of related to like a air conditioning repairman. Yeah, that's what like I Like you still had to have some sci- scientific knowledge as like I couldn't do it, but at the same time, it's kind of a blue collar job. Yeah, it seemed blue collar. <laughs> There's another one of um, probably the saddest, probably the saddest quote of the book is. Do you have, I like that to think that you have a list of that for every book you read. The saddest thing. Here's the, the saddest, saddest thing in this book. And the saddest quote of this book. Listen to segment. Roll, please. Is, yeah. it's, yes. Here we go. Most depressing quote. Sometimes when I'm brushing my teeth, I'll look in the mirror and I swear my reflection seems kind of disappointed. <laughs> oh. So I'm Sad still not man. clear on whether or not this is a depressed person. Yes. <laughs> Is it bad that I didn't realize it was a depressing book until now? <laughs> like you were just like, this is a jolly a good run through what time. What a fun time I was like, travel adventure! I could, I could relate to all these. Yes, I do look into the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> this is a diagnosis for Nick. Nick's, hey friends. Nick's learning shit about himself all over the place. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could get that time machine so I could live in nothingness. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about that great. like that that moment where he's feeling so depressed. He has to bring down the software that's just trying to be his friend. <laughs> yeah. That was so cold and mean. Yeah, Which, there's a bit of a like. He what has was the to, moment? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, remember. When, oh no, it's well, his they, boss. He, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Like boss. Not, not Tammy. The Phil. 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 Mm-hmm. Phil thinks he's human, and which he's we always, also everyone here I could have just assumed imagine Phil McLaughlin because <laughs> he's a robot from Explosio Magica. Yeah, so there's. So almost everyone that he interacts with on a regular basis are uh, computer programs, but one of them, who's technically his boss, doesn't realize he's a computer program. Hey, bro, you want to get some beers, bro? And has a wife and kids. He's always like, how are you? Let's go get a beer. But he always has like that, the the bro vernacular. (laughs) Yeah. Sup, man? How hey, you bro, doing? You want to hang? Totes, totes. I feels, I feels for you. I feel you. I, I feel you. Normally, but. I'd be all cool and swear with this, but you know, if you, I don't know if swear. <laughs> yeah, but, oh man, that's that. That'd be so awesome. Are you if swear that with was this? The voice that came out of the computer. I would love that. And then it, at his lowest point later, like when he's feeling uh, particularly sad about having to go and kill, be killed by himself, he the his boss chimes in. He's like, "You're just a computer program," and he's like, and he goes silent. He's like. Yeah, I guess you're right. I am a computer program. I just mm-hmm. noticed that. Yeah, and then and then he he gets all quiet, and then he's he's like, "Oh, I guess I should tell my wife." Oh, she what? knows. She my wife is probably she's also probably a computer fake, program, and my huh? kids are probably fake too. Wait, was his wife another yeah. program? Yeah, yeah. Okay. and then he has he realized that his whole life is a lie. Yeah, but his wife knew. <laughs> his wife knew, yeah. but didn't his have the heart knew. to tell him, or something yeah. was like the line in the book. Yeah. yeah. 
And then he can't go back. And from that point on, Phil knows that he's a computer program and he just kind of accepts it. And then he finds his dad. So maybe it was for the best. And then he realizes <laughs> that he's in love with Tammy. Yes. Aww, Joey, you cute. kind of gave me an idea that may or may not work. With it may or may not work. With time when you're travel? like, oh, I hope that's the voice you use or that came with the uh, program. Yeah. I think we should do, we can't do a full book. That'd be a lot of work. But we should do an audio book of like a short story where we each do character voices. Ooh, I like it. Do we write the short story as well? I think we. Oh, I think you, I think you have to, unless it's like a, you know, like yeah. War of the Worlds or something. Yeah, we yeah. should just like email it to each other and just build a short story. Oh, like an like exquisite person. corpse. Hey, you get the old college. Uh, was it creative writing exercise? We're like, hey, you do a chapter, and then yeah. you do a chapter. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I I cheap it out and and it gets. To my chapter and it's like this chapter int- intentionally left blank <laughs> Charles, so Joey's you. not going to be included on it no I'll do it <laughs> just cut this out in case we don't yeah. or you could just intentionally screw it up so fans would you like to read, hear that <laughs> that Let thing that we're talking about email I mean, us if you want to hear us write a short story I imagine it's going to be narrated by Aaron because I don't want to do it <laughs> la 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 who, which, which one was that? It's like he was there twice. Did you will hear that? You, will you stop it? Will you stop Aaron, it? Aaron could do his uh, Baroness and... Jordan and Baroness and... <laughs> voice. What's that? No, his... That's from the Golden Compass. The Golden Compass. Oh, the, bear. Bear. the bear. No, do your English voice. Yeah, do, do your... Do your... Uh, Lyra. Hey, hello. Yeah. What's all this? No, no, no. Do the uh, girl, Lyra. Yeah. I'm Lyra. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, talk to me like a girl. Uh, I don't believe in all that dumb naughty no not whatsoever. All right, I already don't want to hear any more of that. <laughs> Done out. So, so, so that's pretty much all, Charles. Yeah. Charles, you how to live safely in a science fictional universe, more- which I think until this podcast we haven't been saying the, the name of the book right. No. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, how to survive in a sci-fi universe. Yeah, yeah I think so, I'm too. sure he gets that a lot. Mm-hmm. So, next, I believe it's my turn to We're pick We're reading book. next again? Yes, next, <laughs> We're next. No. reading next. <laughs> I think the next book we are going to read will be Ready Player One. Ooh. By Ernest Klein. And Dumb name. I've read this before. It's... <laughs> <laughs> a pretty fun book. Lots lots of video game and Early reviews 80s. are in on the name. <laughs> it's lots of video game and 80s references. But it's basically in the future, I think 2044, Earth is kind of shitty. Everyone like logs into this online kind of world called Oasis. The Oasis. And the creator of Oasis kind of laid out uh, this has this contest. It's been ongoing for decades. No one could solve it. He's left clues about how to solve it. And everyone's kind of, like, given up on this contest. But there's, like, a dedicated few people who are trying to solve it. The Gunters. Follows follows one of them. This this kid actually stumbles across the first clue. There's, like, three, I think. Uh Three humps to get over. So let's just do this now. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> just tell. Just read the story from the top, off the top of your head, verbatim, and then we'll discuss it. I'll be Mr. Gunter. Page one. This page left blank. <laughs> uh, page two. This is also left blank. It's the blank book. You just write the story page as you three plot. go yeah, through. Just start the reading it. And you'll I'll write. write it. Yeah. I'll write it down as you read it. As you're you writing read it, it, and then I'll hand that book to my what? younger self. 
<laughs> yep. To read it in preparation for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but he discovers the first hint and craziness ensues. Like, cool. There's this other company that pays people to go out and try to solve it. Don't so, spoil it, Nick. Oh, sorry. The, yeah. Don't spoil it. I'm, I'm trying not to it. listen right now because yeah. I feel like. Well, we'll talk about this next podcast. Next podcast. No, that, I mean, that's. That's what's on the back of the book. Yeah. Cool. So read Ready Player One. Follow me on Good Aaron. Um, on Twitter. I already plugged mine, but you can follow me at ETPhoneH. I am at Godimus Prime. Also, our show is at My Arms Are Lasers. Yes. I am ExplosiveMagico.com. Hey, all, please, we would appreciate it if you go in on the iTunes or whatever rating system have you and rate the show or yeah. just the general Explosive Magico. So thank you. Or write us at MyArmsAreLasers at gmail.com. That email address. It's a long list of things. Bye, guys. Bye. Ready to play on one. thank you for joining in on My Arms Are Lasers. My Arms Are Lasers. Beep, bop, boop, boop, boop. Your arms are lasers. Beep, beep, beep. Let's read books. I bet there'd be a market for like breast milk from people in a thing. It'd be really specialized in like organic stores only, and it'd probably come in a jar like this big. <laughs> well, there was a guy. There was that chef who got in trouble for making uh, people cheese using breast milk. Yeah, in New York, he was making his wife. But had you could so, drink it. His wife was like and lactating too much, and so she had a lot of extra breast milk. And then, like, just as as out of curiosity, he managed to make cheese out of it. And Do you it have to too much lactation? <laughs> Call me now. Crazy Eddie will buy it. And then the FDA like cracked down on him. Like, you can't sell unregulated people cheese. <laughs> Something I never thought I'd hear. <laughs>